This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who plays Gecko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to Conversations Podcast. You might want to buckle up, baby. Hello, and welcome to Conversations. I'm Pat. And I'm Charles. And this is episode 71, Hyperspace. These calculated galactic routes have become an essential part of space travel for explorers, traders, and smugglers. But they ain't like dust and crops. Without precise calculations, you could fly right through a star or bounce too close to a supernova. Or experience a hyperspace collision. Ooh. Nice. This is um, a little bit of a different uh, thing we're doing here, aren't we? A lot of bit of a different thing. We had seriously discussed how, in our weird formula, we would be able to talk about not Star Wars. Mm-hmm. for yeah, Occasionally, like every once in a while. Right. So this is where we started, obviously. Yeah. Because it's close in many respects. It's got several common factors. Quite so a few, in fact. To, yeah, yeah. So we wanted to kind of um, dip our toes in there and see where that went by talking about one of our other favorite Harrison Ford roles. Exactly. And you know what? Even in the movies that we talked about, just sort of loosely as we started talking about this whole hyperspace collision series, had connections to Star Wars it just became a natural way of expanding how we see Star Wars and how we see other movies that contain Star Wars. So that was very interesting to explore. And I, and I completely agree. This, you know, the Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect place to start. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a good place to start. I would say the perfect place to start is with my, my selected drink oh. of, of the evening. Oh. Um, in going with that theme, I have a Jovito Mojito. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out today, and I couldn't. <laughs> I know. I was I was trying to drop hints without giving it away. I guess we we jump into this. Yes. We have that iconic start that, that just immediately draws you in when you've got this explorer and he steps into the you know the light coming through the trees and you see that it's Harrison Ford yeah like ah there's Han Solo no I mean it's no no it's Indiana Jones um (laughs) but if you know if if either of you listeners have listened to any of our other episodes uh my first recognition of Harrison Ford so let's delve into that is that you literally uh, said how come Indiana Jones is in this carbonite thing. Right, right. Well, metal coffin, but yeah, I, I was young. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, referencing the uh, the carbon freezing chamber in Empire. Right. And that iconic start is 
really cool, not only because you realize it's Harrison Ford, of course, we all know what it is. But for those first few beats of the movie, they don't reveal his face until right. he's threatened. And then he turns around you and then you him, see him. You see him from the yeah, back. Yeah, you see him from the back. the hat down. Oh, man. The bullwhip. And bullwhip. <laughs> and, um, and then, you know, and he goes through the uh, temple and he's, you know, he's got triggers for the booby traps. Like, yeah. he's like, he's got like a map. Right? You're yes. like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. He sizes up the idol. And then one of my favorite things is in the Lego Indiana Jones video game. Okay. You know, when he escapes and then um, that jerk is trying to take it from him. You know, <laughs> Belloc. No, they don't talk. They do like a lot of pantomime and grunting. So, so Belloc's over there like, hmm, uh, uh. And like, so then Indy is like, it's like a cutaway video. So like, you're not playing through it, but it's a video. He's like reaching in his, in his bat, his satchel. And he's got like a bunch of nonsense. And one of the things he pulls out is the head of Reapio. <laughs> <laughs> and initially Bella's like, hmm. And then he like realizes he's been tricked and he tosses it. <laughs> it's one of the ridiculous things in that game. But uh, yeah, so he sizes up the idol. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and okay. of course he's got his Let me ask you a question Now when he's grabbing sand uh-huh. At the outside of the cave That eventually becomes the Sort of the counterweight that he's hoping to You know to replace the idol with mm-hmm. Do you mm-hmm. think that that sand That he ends up throwing away Is the clincher for triggering That trap uh, I do believe so I think we can all agree he chose poorly Furthermore <laughs> He um he knew what he was looking for because as mm-hmm. soon as he comes across it, he's like, this is the one. Right. It's certainly not that beam of light coming down on it in the, in the shrine that it's in on the pedestal. No, no. Um, it's that's what he was looking for. He knew it. You, you could assume that it's solid gold. Yes. Okay. And, and solid gold is, is heftier than it looks. Very much so. I feel as though it was close. Mm. It was close. Yes. Because, because initially everything's cool. Yes. And I guarantee you, if he just took that thing off of there, then it would have been yeah, and split and seconds, like, which immediately yes. So the fact that like he's got a couple seconds to breathe, so that that amount of sand that he took out very well may have been the difference between you know casually strutting out of there with with his prize and and the adventurous escape that we see in the film. Mm-hmm. It's an iconic scene. How many things have parodied the Boulder scene? Everything has. Right. So much so that they created a an experience at Hollywood Studios, which right when we go back to Star Wars Park. Yes. Um, you've got that as the opening scene, mm-hmm. which is, you know, again a tribute to how iconic it is, how popular the you know not only the franchise but that film particularly right. is, and just how massive it it is in scale when you when you see the the production that they do Mm -hmm. and then of course they make comedy out of it when there's one guy pushing the boulder back up the hill (laughs) (laughs) they're like this thing's heavy the guy's like out front like heavy boulder it took six guys and then like one guy's like pushing it up (laughs) pushing it up it's such a great experience yeah my my brother actually was selected one time to be one of the crowd people oh cool that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Recently publicly was, elected, I, brother? 
Um, yes. Nice. Yes, recently publicly elected brother. So he now holds local political office in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Yep. He's on city council. Yeah. So it's such a heart-pounding opening scene. And then, you know, he makes it out in the nick of time with his hat. Can't go without so, it. So, yeah, and then the door that's coming down mm-hmm. much slower than any door in Star Wars. <laughs> However, um, you know, when he rolls under and his hat's in and he reaches under, he's got to get it. So, um, you know, then then he makes it out and you're like, awesome. You know, like, Harrison Ford didn't die. That's good. I like this. Um, and then the Hobito tribe is there. Oh, yes. And you're like, oh, well, this this clearly did not work out well. For him. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Belloc, that giant jerk, <laughs> is like, hey, you did all the work. Now give me this stuff. He loses the idol mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to Belosh, I guess. <laughs> and um, and then you know as he's as he's being chased by by the Hobitos, he's calling out to his friend Jock. Yes, to Jock. start the plane, and we come to our first legitimate Star Wars reference, the CPO reference on the tail yep. of the plane. Well, you know, there's one thing too that with the plane that Jock was flying, not only was the a plane identifier tag, um, you know, OBCPO, you know, as a very direct reference to yes. uh, Star Wars. As he was trying to start it, you had the classic Millennium Falcon <laughs> misfiring. <laughs> yeah, as... I think I think I remember hearing Jock say, hey, me, Reggie, punch it. <laughs> um, and, and Reggie failed to punch it because I... <laughs> he's a reptile. Right. Um, that is the... the Second most direct call out to both Obi-Wan and C-3PO. Correct. Um, but I don't know if we can talk about the other Obi-Wan reference here because it's not from this film. Ooh. So in, in Temple of Doom, ah. in the opening scene, they go to Club Obi-Wan. Club Obi-Wan, that's right. Yes. Yeah. That's right. That, yeah. that was a realization much later in my life and quite embarrassing. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, there's plenty to be embarrassed about. So um, <laughs> then... I would like to disagree with that for one second. Of course you would. I did say legitimate. <laughs> I would say that Indiana Jones's experience in that cave is the opposite of what Star Wars shows in the cave. So my thought was that, like, Ray or Luke... Not so much in the prequels, I guess, but these cave experiences that we see, they are challenges for our protagonist. Where in with Indiana Jones, his cave experiences are his element and he's supremely confident. It's when he's outside of the caves that he's a bit uptight and his clothing is awkward and he's he seems uneased. Yeah, I mean, as long as we're making loose associations. I mean, your your arms are longer than mine, but that's even a reach for you. But that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, since we had our, you know, our first guest appearance with WSTR Galactic Public Access a couple of years ago, that was our topic was the cave experience. Um, yeah. So, you know, we went that through that. That was our topic. Yeah. And just recently, uh, another friend of our show, uh, the Most Things Kenobi, they literally talked about the cave experience. 
That being said, Jock and Reggie kind of saved the day. We come to the part that you jumped ahead to where he gets, uh, you know, the cutscene back to Professor Jones. Mm. Just how weird that is. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, most of his adventuring is um, not for profit. I would imagine because <laughs> um, he's he's clear. I mean, he's clearly not like looking to sell these artifacts. He's, he's trying to get them in museums. Right. Right. So, I mean, he's got to pay the bills. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, so he, he works with college, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there are there are worse ways to make an honest living. So, yeah, he's, he's back with his colleagues and all. And it's just such a strange environment for him. And like his students, I. His students have to know that he's like up to stuff because he's like the cool professor on campus. Yes. But he's not cool on campus. No. You know what I mean? No, you're complete. I completely agree. But like everybody wants to take his class. I I feel like they all want to be his, his protege. Yes. And women want to be his girlfriend. Well, yeah, clearly. He almost feels imprisoned. And I feel like it makes you feel that way. The way that all his students hound him and congregate mm-hmm. um, at his office door and all, it's, it's, yes. it's very claustrophobic. Completely. And his clothing. I mean, his his tie is open. He's very, uh, the claustrophobic is the perfect word um, because he's, a, a, as opposed to his adventurous Indiana Jones persona where his shirt is open and he's got this freedom about him he's got the scruff beard and he's at peace while out in the jungle or out searching for these artifacts you even have one of his students you know when she closes her eyes i love you <laughs> which i would have expected his eyes to reply with i know <laughs> but we didn't see that could you, could you imagine <laughs> <laughs> but i mean when I looked at this movie with the lens of Star Wars. Yes. It's unbelievable the amount of connections that uh, it's. And now, of course, it's you know directed by Steven Spielberg, written by George Lucas, and scored by John Williams. So it makes sense. You know, and it's impactful enough on other cinema and other media that the references abound. So then. Well, Dr. Jones is uh, taken to a very important meeting. And. Uh, Members Is of it the with top men, top men from the U.S. Men? government. Yep. Okay, all right, top men. Yes, Good. top men. Uh, mm-hmm. In the looks like the lunch hall or some sort of maybe <laughs> some sort of uh, staff lounge. Yeah, <laughs> some sort of assembly hall with a uh, yeah. with a blackboard there for notes. And who <laughs> is sitting there? Oh. but Porkins himself. And there's several crossover actors mm-hmm. um in both of the franchises yep cool to see him uh actually with with more than one speaking line yes <laughs> and a well-fitting suit <laughs> right right right, right. <laughs> and when indy delivers that line like haven't you guys ever gone to sunday school like sort of <laughs> recounting the the lore of the lost ark the way he delivers that is pure han solo pure Han Solo Mm -hmm. that you know his confidence comes out and it was that it was at that point that I rewrote the title to Han Solo and the Raiders of the Lost Ark of the Wills 
<laughs> All right. Because okay. he exuded Han Solo, apart from the fact that he was still dressed in his Professor Jones's attire, so didn't mm-hmm. have that brash sort of, again, open collared Han Solo look and comfortable. and But yet still, it was that essence of the character. Yeah. So obviously, it's set um, in the 1930s mm-hmm. during the rise in power of the Nazis. That's kind of an important thing. It is. That's the setting. Yes, of course. So clearly, the idea would be to intercept their search for the Ark to, at the very least, prevent them from unlocking whatever power may be inside. Doesn't work. No. <laughs> Much to the regret and to the yeah. help of of uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm sorry, not Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Brody. No. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> Marcus Brody. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, so Indiana Jones embarks on this mission that is now funded by the American government and uh, – you know, he heads off on this adventure. And right. the next connection that I see to Star Wars is that red line flight path. When I saw that, all I could think of was Ray charting her path to Exegol. And, you know, it's been used often enough, but right. Razor the Lost Ark uh, really did set that tone well, for... Well, he originally found the Wayfinder, so... I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so yes, I mean, there, there is that. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, he's heading off to Nepal to get information. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know you you, you got to go to the right people, right? To get answers, he goes to the right people, but kind of the wrong people at the same time. <laughs> when um when he goes and sees Marion, mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. she's like. Hey, it's good to see you, except you're such a jerk and I hate you. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's one of those things where you immediately know there's there's this history between yes. these two. And you get little snippets of it through their conversation, but you don't really get the whole story. Right, and he doesn't protest, so... He's yes. you know, he's complicit <laughs> to what she's doing, yes. and uh, you know as the scene progresses in in the uh, bar up in Nepal, uh, you she sort of throws out tidbits. You know, I was young, I was this, I was that, and so you get there's a sense of history there, and he accepts what he did, but yeah, you know, it's and it's what like, happened. It's almost like he knows when he comes through the door, it's either going to go really well. <laughs> Or like this, (laughs) like this. So then, of course, he's a learned man and uh, knows all about the staff Mm -hmm. and um, and the headpiece and had known that there was a at least a piece of it in her father's collection. What was very cool was a callback to Star Wars for me was when he says, I'll give you for the headpiece, I'll give you three thousand now. And 2000 when we get to the mainland. And that, yeah. to me, I see that in A New Hope. And she says, 5000 Yep. You can almost buy our own pyramid for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and she says, come back tomorrow. And then, and then one of my favorite things that I say when my day shift leaves 
and they're coming back the next day. <laughs> See you tomorrow, Indiana Jones. <laughs> and they always look at me like, uh, you're such a dork. <laughs> but then tomorrow, ah, say it again. Ah. Say it again. Um, she hears the door open and thinks that he's back. Yes. And it's and not like him. He's, he's forgotten his kiss or whatever that he expected the first time. <laughs> and it's not him no. at all. It's Darth Vader. It's some cre- Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all it's dressed in black. Creep. Yeah, some creep. It's very creepy. <laughs> yeah. Sneaky voice. And it's just very creepy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, just no. No. It's not good. Yeah. Um, But then, of course, he threatens her and, and wants to take the headpiece. And He's thwarted. Yes, he is with uh, <laughs> local ruffians. They go through quite the battle in the bar. And of course, Indiana Jones does come yeah. back. And there's, there's mayhem in food. Yes. Alcohol and, and, and fire. Some of, <laughs> some of my favorite environmental fighting takes place ah. because like... You know, over the bar, and then what you've got, you've got a mug here. Okay, I smash you in the head with this mug. And then, like, you, you know, it's like, but before I smash you over the head with it, you shot through one of my barrels. So, my coming, so I get some of the booze and drink that liquid courage and then hit you with the barrel. You know, it's, so it's like the whole environment gets used. Yes. And used very well in this in this choreographed fight. Um, in- including the molten hot uh, headpiece. Which, um, well, only half of that gets you. Well, yes, to realize that Tot or whatever his name is, the uh, the German uh, yes. uh agent, yeah. you know, sears his hand with one side of the headpiece, um, mm-hmm. and he runs out and, and sort of cools off in the snow, uh, is a critical plot point because you know he only has half of the story, which we find out a bit later, but still, like, right. it's amazing and. Ladies, little uh, seeds of the story in obvious places, but not so obvious unless you think back and yeah. call back to it. Such a brilliant part of the story that I just appreciate every time I see. To tie it back to Star Wars, it's like when uh, Kylo Ren has Rey and not BB-8. And he's like, well, I have what I need because she's seen the map. Oh, and dude that's awesome well, no you don't have you have some of what you need but you don't have the whole instruction you nice know? that is awesome oh that's <laughs> cool that's cool so so you know needless to say and it's it's one of those really cool shots where you know things ain't going so good for marion and then that whip cracks and you're like oh man Yep. Here we go. Yeah, I know a guy that had a whip. He used it at the be- in the opening scene. <laughs> so, um, so then of course you know he comes in and, and saves her. They get out of there with the entire headpiece. Then you know he kind of catches her up to speed. He only told her like part of it, you know, part of the plan. And yes. Kind of. Hey, I'm looking for this piece uh, for no uh, real particular reason. I just need it like real bad, like right mm-hmm. now. But uh, just to have it, you know, like he's like being super sketch about the whole thing. And then he's like, all right, look, so here's what's going on. <laughs> now, question for you. Do you see Marion as more Princess Leia or maybe Kira? Princess Leia. Okay, I agree. 
you know, less of a uh, undertone to her. Yeah. Yet for Indiana Jones, he sees her as this um, love interest from the past. She's important to the story, but ultimately he really does love her and uh, Kira as well. But the undertones that she has, what we know so far uh, with her character, yeah. sort of lead her more to the dark side or underworld style than um, yeah. Marion and thus uh, Leia. But cool. All right. That's cool. All right. Yeah. With Kira's willingness to backstab, betray, or completely abandon to get ahead. That's that's not so much Marion's style. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, she would rather agree. leave well enough alone and and go serve drinks at a bar and then drink <laughs> an old Nepali man under the table. Well, um, I thought he was a Nepali woman to begin with, but yeah. On per, on, upon further I, review, I, <laughs> I I think I think that it's it's meant to be a man. Yes, I agree. I think, <laughs> but it was kind of which, sketchy at some point. Which strengthens her character because like. She's out drinking these these big dudes. Correct. And that's a key point and, later on in the movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought it was a woman. Uh, it's a man, I think. I mean, I know it is. Like, I agree. It's I feel a, like I feel like a perm was probably a bad choice. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. And if you're out in the snow, you should probably have a beard. <laughs> you saying? Yeah, so they go and hook up with John Reese davies character, Sala, which was another person from his past. With all of these contacts he's got essentially around the world, you have to assume that, you know, with these adventures he's been on, he's made friends. Oh, completely. And he's, yeah. and he's been like, hey, if I'm ever in Egypt, I'm going to look you up. Yeah. You know, it's like. And you would think just like Han Solo would know Hondo. I translate Salah to Hondo. That's who I connect him with. Um, okay. Um, maybe Lando. I think, but I think no. I uh, I think Salah. Listen, um, he's like if Chewie was just his friend and didn't owe him a life debt. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As opposed, to like his constant sidekick yes and that was yeah that was a debate that i did have it's like yeah the the connection is very much like chewy and han but the his presence isn't consistent but like that's an interesting point then without the life debt he's got his harem of kids that he controls (laughs) he's got his um his his very comfortable life in this foreign land and Mm -hmm. he comes through Mm -hmm. the clutch and undeniably a friend and never an ounce of doubt that he will be right. there when he's needed. Exactly. Um, much, uh, much, much different than one would expect from either Lando or Hondo. Hondo yes. But you know, <laughs> yeah. if you're a brother, well, demand, I will be there for you. I will be here with you to the end. <laughs> Unless things change. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, you know, nothing. Salah obviously is very well connected mm-hmm. in the Middle East. So, of course, he probably has people in his employ that are like uh, laborers and, and general workers because he's, he's like, yeah, I got people working up on this thing for this French guy and they're uh, digging for some stuff, you know, like, <laughs> like they're definitely like 
I'm making money off of this deal because he's paying me to, to you know, to have, to have these guys work here. But something's off with this. <laughs> and then, of course, of course, and then Indy's like, yeah, because something's off with him. Yes. Um, he's a Nazi. So that leads them uh, a reference in another film, in another one of my favorite films. Ooh. Captain America's First Avenger. Okay. When Johann Schmidt is looking for the Tesseract yeah. to, the tesseract. to further the advances of Hydra. And so he is looking for this unlimited power. And uh, the Fuhrer is digging for trinkets in the desert. Ooh, nice. And same time period, too. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, that's a that's a cool nod in now because because you know, Hugo Weaving says that, and you're like, ah, he's talking about Raiders. There you go. Nice. <laughs> so when when I saw the Scimitar guy, and beyond like the behind the scenes fact that Harrison <laughs> Ford was sick as a dog and needed to end this scene quickly, um, when yeah, he um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> bad dates. <laughs> All I could think of when he shoots him is. Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blast at your side, kid. And that was like a callback for me that was like, you know what? From Han Solo's perspective, you can have all the scimitars or lightsabers that you want. My blaster will take care of the situation. Yeah, I mean, we could argue that he shot first. Um, <laughs> and I half expected the swordsman to say, Uta Guta Solo. Um... <laughs> He did not, but he still got blasted. <laughs> Another cool callback right. to Star Wars is when he believes that Marion is killed mm. in the explosion of the truck. Yes. And he's sitting at the bar before he meets Belloc again. And he's like sort of wasting away in his whiskey or whatever the alcohol is. Um, Marion's theme is played in the mm. background and it has several callbacks, let alone the instrument. Uh, that's playing it to Leia's theme. And it struck me very, very strongly this time around. Like I said, watching this with the sort of Star Wars lens, that it was very much Han Solo longing for Leia and the fact that she died. And so leaving Star Wars, it then lends more power to the fact that how he loved her is that when he believed she was dead, he was devastated. It was honestly, mm -hmm. and you can see him for... Yeah quite a while after that scene that he is really impacted by the fact that he he blamed himself for her death right 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 right. if he had kept a better eye on her then mm -hmm. but those games are tricky when they put the the marble in the basket and then you move them all around yes it's tough to it remember is. which one has the marble yes like he should <laughs> cut himself some slack and when, hard, he, yeah, and when he comes up to the screen, the camera turns around, you see all these baskets on these shoulders. He's like, like, great, she's in the basket. And then you see, and there's three dozen baskets, and he's like, They all look oh, the same. <laughs> well, then, this complicates things. So he needs to come up with black, because mm -hmm. it's just a tough game. It like, is. They do that one at carnivals all the time, because they know you're going to exactly. be terrible at it. Yes. So anyway... Um, <laughs> so they're digging, um, Egypt? It's Egypt, yeah? Yes, correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And they're looking for the map room. So they get into the map room. Well, he gets into the map room. 
they've already gotten there and calculated where to dig and half of the equation for the staff of Ra. So, mm-hmm. so it's not the right place. No. And the other side of the headpiece that they don't have states that, you know, one less, not foot, but I can't remember the, the measurement, but one less foot for the parsec. One parsec. Less. <laughs> for that. Right. So they have to remove yeah. a foot or a parsec. And that, yeah. of course, changes the, the location. So um, once he realizes the, the actual spot to dig, he snapped the staff so that they don't know how big it's supposed to be. Of course, when he goes to climb back up, the rope's gone. The Nazi flag that comes down. That, yeah, uh, yes. yeah. Bad news for him. And of course, he's like, well, there's only one way out of here. And clearly, it's, up. it's with the Nazis. <laughs> so he gets out of there, and then they apprehend him. Belloc is there being all jerky again. I don't like him at all. Yeah, no. I mean, almost as bad as General Beard in the Last Crusade. Ooh. I don't like him either. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And Hitler is in Star Wars as well. He is one of the um, Imperial generals in um, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. It's true. Nice. True. Yes. Very cool. But that's not until Last Crusade. Right. So they are captured and Marion, Indy does find her in that tent trying to get away from Belloc and she's drinking him under the table. And that's a callback to in Nepal. Belloc is like completely sloshed and she's like not, not affected whatsoever. Oh, yeah. He's well. He's he's tipsy. He's tipsy. He's yes. Tipsy. Yeah. He's getting there for sure. I feel like if she waited a little bit longer, he would have just passed out. Yes. Like a couple more drinks, and then then she wouldn't have to worry about trying to go all stabby stabby on him. <laughs> stabby stabby. But she uh, attempts to escape and is unsuccessful. No. And he sobers up real quick. Yes. Yes. Sudden shock of the uh, Third Reich coming down on you will do that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He clearly um, realizes that that this was all ruse and Mm -hmm. that that she needs to now be tied up. Yes. Instead of uh, being being free and able to wear dresses that that, like he creepily picked out and fit you just right. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh But quickly realized his mistake and uh, resorts to tying her up. Which would have sufficed in keeping her from escaping. Correct. So Indy and Salah and a small army of Salah's workers. But small group. Small, small group. group, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, was like, it was like four of them. Right. So they found the Ark. As they're lifting it up out of the encasement that it's in. Yes. Um, there, are, there are the hieroglyphics. And of course, among the hieroglyphics are um, etches of... C-3PO and One of the most classic of Easter yeah. eggs. Really. Yeah. Talk about setting the stage for the future, for embedding um, call-outs to other franchises. It's such a brilliant, brilliant placement. And, like, why wouldn't they have um, droid hieroglyphs? I mean, right. that's, I mean, makes sense. We've established that there are aliens in the Indiana Jones universe. Right. They're in the same universe. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. Unlike, exactly. unlike Parsec, which is a matter of distance. 
Right. Yeah, hey, look, the parsec or two will to determine if you're digging in the right spot. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, and Belloc again in one of his real jerk moves. Once again, Indiana Jones. What was yours is now mine. Yes. Or some nonsense. She's so pretentious. Yes, he is. I love the... <laughs> yeah, the under, yeah, the end of the breath. That's such a good thing. But it's a cool callback to Han Solo where you've got, you know, like especially in like A New Hope, he just had to drop, you know, the shipment and he's evading Java. There's many situations where he's getting away or facing where, adversity. Where he clearly has not the upper hand. Right. And this, and this <laughs> is two. You've got the idol. And now you've got the arc that's being, he was right there and it's being taken away from him. Obviously, Belloc gets his hands, his grimy, sleazy, dirtball hands <laughs> on the arc. Not literally. No. Because as Dr. Jones himself has dated, when the arc is touched, it, it has very negative repercussions. Mm. Turns people to dust and stuff like that. It's crazy. It is. So, um... <laughs> So of course they're they're keeping it safe until they get it to Tatooine, uh, right, um, and then yeah, once it's in the valley in Tatooine, <laughs> then they decide they're going to open it before they bring it to the Fuhrer, <laughs> because the Emperor. So um, because 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 no, this is very important. I know you're laughing, but it's very important because if this is not what they think it is. If it's a fake, or if it's a, a ruse, or if it's a decoy, and they bring it to the Emperor, then um, they're going to look like smack asses. <laughs> and they cannot have that. Did you say Emperor? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so, that, yeah. So, so, basically... Oh my god. Emperor. <laughs> Sorry. Well, he is. He's Emperor Hitler King. Oh my um, gosh. So, um, obviously, they have to check to make sure this thing's legit. Right. Before they present it to their boss. Mm -hmm. um, so, they decide they're going to open this thing like a bunch of idiots. They, they clearly didn't go to Sunday school. No. So, you know, Belloc puts on his ceremonial robes, of course, because why wouldn't he? Right, with his uh, Darth Vader uh, button panel that's hanging down from his neck, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was macrame. <laughs> Take a look it at it. It looks like, like a, it's a bunch of gems, but it looks very much like Darth Vader's chess piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, now he can look on you with his own eyes. So, um, <laughs> they brought Indy and Marion along for the ride. And Indy... A learned man has some words of advice for everyone, namely the one who pays attention to him, Marion. Uh, <laughs> not to look at it, not to touch it, not to do anything, because this thing is powerful and it's going to mess you up. Yes. And they're like, yeah, okay. Like, literally, they have followed his every move to find this thing. Yes. They've relied so much on his knowledge of this to obtain it. And then he's like, listen, I wouldn't open that if I were you. And they're like, yeah, we're going to listen to you now. <laughs> and did you notice that the uh, light pole that they're tied to at the top of that pole is essentially an R2 unit dome? 
I did not. Yeah. Is this another one of those loose associations, or am I going to have to watch? For You're going to have to watch, shit? because if you take R2's dome and turn like, pointing towards, like, the arc, it looks just like R2's dome. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> but, yes, take a look at it. It's pretty, oh, yeah, it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, all right. So they open this bad boy and like ghosts and all sorts of craziness goes flying everywhere. Yes. And like all these Nazis are like, wow, this is crazy. Let's look at these ghosts. And <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> wrong here. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then, you know, it's weird because like it's almost like ethereal. And it's like this pretty being is like floating around, which obviously is there's something wrong there, firstly. Okay. <laughs> and then and then like ah uh, and then the music changes and then she gets all freaky looking and then all hell breaks loose. Oh yeah. Which Indy saw coming, but nobody's going listening. <laughs> no. Well he's tied so, to a post all the way at the back. Right, that's true. And uh, so he's like, this is about to go down. So close your eyes, keep them shut, you know. And it's weird to me because they're tied to this post, right? Yes. And then, you know, they open the arc. Everybody's having a good time. And everybody gets, like, force lightning to death. Oh, yes. Okay? Every single one of these dudes in this canyon get electrocuted. Yes. Okay? So everybody's dead. Next thing you know, Indy and Marion are untied. So it's like, did you guys untie yourselves? Because you could have done that like 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> well, I think it was the power of the uh, entities within the box. That's the only explanation. Oh, he looks down you think, you think, at the ropes. You think the force lightning hit the rope. Correct. Correct. And it was like zap, zap. Yeah. And like, thanks, force lightning. <laughs> High five. This like, is what Luke should have done. <laughs> But yes, uh, Indy looks down at the ropes after like the force lightning and after the lid comes back down, he looks at the ropes and it looks sort of seared as if like it was the power of God or the good. It understood that they were being held captive. They were averting their eyes from the godlike presence, yes. just like yes. in Monty Python. Don't measure your eyes. Um, and they were freed <laughs> from their bonds. And from their captors. Them too. Yeah, because all their captors are dead. <laughs> By the way, when that uh, surge of power is going through, when just before the lid came off, there's a couple of blaster sounds in there, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and then, and then of course, the beam of light, like Emperor's Exegol of Madness. Ooh, that's right. right. Like that sort of cinematography. Nice, thing. that's true. And then, and then, of course, you know, it makes short order of all these, <laughs> um, these Nazis. And kind of wipes the slate clean, as it were. Yes. And then that lid just pops right back down onto the arc. And it's like, all right, we're done. We're good. So then Indy, you know, of course, is able to recover the arc or the U.S. government, which I have my own objections to the U.S. government having access to something like the Ark of the Covenant. (laughs) However... What's interesting is when it's all created up by the Nazis, the swastika gets burned out by the power of the Ark. We see that but on the then, ship, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they're transporting it to Texas. Yeah. So the, the canyon that they use is the same place in Tunisia where they filmed Tatooine when they're trying to recover R2. Ooh, that's cool. When Luke and C-3PO are yeah. trying to find R2 yeah. and then old Ben comes to the rescue. Yeah. 
Boy, is he glad to see him. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's the same canyon. That nice. Filmed, that's so cool. Where, you know, Indy's on top. Yeah, with the bazooka. The yeah. Launcher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they take it from there. And, of course, the U.S. government has it crated up. And that's got some some U.S. stamping on it. Yes. And here's where my nationalism comes out. And it doesn't burn up because the U.S. is the best. Exactly. Um, well, and I think it's because they had no intention to use it for their nefarious world domination plot. Right. And that makes more sense versus like they're sort of storing it for safekeeping among the hundreds of thousands of other artifacts that are in there. There's a nice callback in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yes. When, um, they're in the warehouse and they got some bad drivers and they're bumping into stuff. And they hit one of the crates and the um, corner of the crate breaks off. And you can see a little corner of the uh, arc in there. That's so cool. So, And then, of course, he's back in the discomfort of the office at uh, Martin yeah. College. Hey, great job, Dr. Jones. And he's like, yeah, now where can I go for another adventure? Because <laughs> Please. This ain't it. Um, that's kind of... Uh, how we how we leave that one yeah like as we just discovered like how many callbacks to star wars you know of course some of them like we said are loosely associated and with movies that were even related to them or hadn't even come out yet but those story beats and uh small plot details enrich in not only indiana jones but then star wars beyond that and that's that's one of the great things about i think this series is going to end up having uh, you know, sort of the fun for us is that, you know, picking out these things and, and connecting them to it, but also just good storytelling. And then obviously Raiders of the Lost Ark has <laughs> spawned a franchise that exists to today. We're waiting for, you know, Indiana Jones 5 coming out in the next couple of years. So it's really a tribute to the storytelling and how endearing a character can become when it's well done. So that was interesting. Yes. Very much interesting. And it kind of proves our point that we can talk about anything. And we have talked about anything. But it always has some sort of tie to Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Whether it's actors, um, cinematographers, Or producers. whether it's like 35 different ties to Star yes, Wars. We will like find this. them. <laughs> we will find each one of them. We're General Zod and Man of Steel. And we will find them. Oh, we got to do that one, too. Mm. It's going to to remain infrequent. Yes. Um, I mean, this is the first one we've done in years. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's the only one we've done in years. <laughs> and the Again, first. That proves my point. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that being said, it's a sort of a conversations way of doing that. Yes. Because... That's the only way it was going to happen. Yes, obviously. <laughs> so we will do more of them occasionally. Mm -hmm. But, you know, then after this episode, we've got some more good Star Wars stuff and collaborations and, yes. and deep dives and everything. Everything that uh, both our fans love. So, right. And um, you don't expect a hyperspace yeah. collision like every second week. I mean, come on. I mean, you... You don't even expect the uh, JTA episode every other week. So <laughs> it's fine. Um, we'll, um, we'll, we'll get through it. It'll be fine.
we're online and stuff. Yes. Um, I'm even less online now. Like, I haven't even been on Google. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> That's a good thing. I'm just so done with all the nonsense that's a good thing there's so much nonsense yes and i don't have time for that no and that's why we keep our little world happy and fun um yeah you can find us on um the mothership at uh, conversations.com you can find us at twitter at suations you can find us on instagram at conversations and you can also use our link tree which connects to all these different places including our sporadic containing awesome ideas uh, t-shirt shop or when we're pulled down who knows um hopefully they never visit our website because it'll be down too um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh until then that lightsaber belongs in a museum i thought i told you to shave before we left i did Twice! My razor is awful. Is your shaving razor not cutting it? The new Ultra Edge Vibra Blade by Lord Mantel Cosmetics will have you looking smooth every time. It's portable and it disintegrates the stubble on contact, so no mess. Hmm, let me give it a try. That's so much better, and just in time for the show. The Ultra Edge, for when you want the closest shave. Also available in Vibro Hedger for that special Wookiee in your life.